Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Seth Jeremy Katz, Vice President of Revenue Cycle and Health Information Management at University Health KC. Seth, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for hosting me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the healthcare space, and especially at University Health KC. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Uh, so I've been with University Health for almost 17 years now. Uh, my background's in health information management. Spent a number of time managing that department. I worked in IT as our associate chief information officer, and then in 2020 moved over to the revenue cycle side of the house. Um, I'm responsible for the kind of the front, middle, and back end of both our professional and facility side here at University Health. It's about 320-ish people total, and University Health as a safety net means we take care of people regardless of their ability to pay. Sometimes that puts a challenge on the revenue cycle world where you're trying to collect what you can to keep the doors open, but it's a great mission. It's a great place to work, uh, and it's a place that everyone knows that they can come to get great quality care and not be overburdened with, you know, and saddled with a lot of medical debt. So it's a great organization. And that's probably why I've been here for as long as I have. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, definitely a huge, huge and important part of the community, a pillar to healthcare providing, um, you know, in the space. So uh, just really excited to have you here. Now, given your position um, in, in really focused on the revenue cycle, as well as health information management, where do you see some big opportunities for the health system, as well as headwinds you have your eye on today? Absolutely. I think the first is sort of the obvious one that a lot of people are looking at, and that's that's automation. And every day it feels like we're seeing some new version of ChatGPT or something like that that comes out. And this one can, you know, automate financial transition, and this one can automate art, and this one can automate, you know, real estate, whatever. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And so we know this technology is coming. Um, we've tried it out at our facility even. I think it's a little early still. I don't think it's fully baked in, but that's absolutely something we're looking for. And I always talk about, you know, nobody nobody gets into their job to be a button masher. And there's so many manual functions that we have to do within our revenue cycle, uh, either because of the systems we use, because of payer requirements, whatever the case might be, being able to automate those and, and allow our staff to work at really the top of their skill set is absolutely something we want. It, it'll help with burnout, it'll help with growth, and, and it'll just help things move smoother. So number one, of course, is automation. I think we're also really excited about payment reforms. and. We are, as a safety net, a, a nominal charge provider. So we, we're a low-cost provider. We're very proud of that. Um, and I know in this environment we're in now, right, you've got fears of a recession. You've got inflation. You have the kind of millennials who are much more cost-conscious than maybe previous generations. And so, you know, how we can find a way to use the, the price transparency data to, one, highlight the fact that we are a low-cost provider. So if you're looking for high-quality care at a lower cost, you know, come to us, but also use that data to go back to some of the payers and say, look, we can see now in your files, you're drastically underpaying us compared to the hospital, you know, a mile down the road. And we're providing the same level of care, the same services. And, you know, hopefully, potentially, we can increase some of our rates that way as well. So very excited about price transparency, giving consumers access. Uh, and, and that's really the third part is that that open access idea, the self-scheduling, the, the bi-directional texting, you know, 
people don't want to have to call the phone, get in a work queue, leave a message, get a call back. They want to wake up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. with a sore throat, you know, maybe get a telehealth visit then, have their scripts sent over to their pharmacy. They can just go grab, um, you know, really finding that consumer-centric model and even bringing that to revenue cycle. And that's, that's kind of one of my passions is I think we, we focus on the front-end side of how to make things consumer-focused, but uh, I think the whole billing claims process is still very convoluted, has a lot of stuff on those bills that, that are required by law, but that patients have zero understanding of what the difference is and you know, finding a way to make that easy and accessible so that uh, patients understand what they're paying and can also have a good experience on the back end. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and it's definitely such a great point in terms of how patients, their experience on both ends of the revenue cycle really colors how they're thinking about their overall healthcare journey and experience. So that, that's really um, helpful and beneficial. And have you found that people are attracted to the transparent, price transparency or um, the efforts to, to really show yourself as, like you mentioned, a, a low cost provider, but still a very high quality care? Sadly, no. I, and I wish more people would. I know that that law took effect in the middle of COVID, so there were obviously other things going on. But a number of institutions had done audits and showed that, you know, just even a year ago, five, six percent of hospitals were complying. And, you know, maybe there's different reasons for that. Focus on COVID. Maybe some institutions don't want to share what they're charging people. Um, but, you know, really, you, you need to get in the mindset of you you the newest generation coming up, they're not like the previous. They're not just going to come to you because you're their primary care doctor. And so they're just going to stick with you forever, whether you have long wait times or whether you change your prices or anything like that. They're going to, they're going to shop. And at the same time, when you have, you know, Amazon acquiring Medical One, when you have uh, Mark Cuban's company, the, the pharmacy plus cost one that give low cost drugs to people. I mean, the disruptors are here and they're going to they're going to take that market share. And so, you know, it's time to get past some of this, you know, secrecy that has always existed in healthcare, where, you know, it used to be I have a paper chart that you can't look at. And now I have this system you can't get into and you don't need to worry what the price is. I'll send you a bill 10 days after your stay. And that's what you owe. You know, millennials, they, they don't want that. They want to know what they're going to see ahead of time. They want to know about their experience. And so, no, it's, I, I think it's been very unfortunate that more hospitals have not really embraced that mindset. And I'm very proud of our organization for that, that we were compliant from day one, and we've continued to try to find ways to get that data out there to patients. Um, but I would say, no, that's a deficit of the industry, that, that too many institutions are still, you know, hiding behind that. And, um, you know, that, that's going to be a challenge when you start getting more consumers who want to shop around. And if Amazon's going to post their price right up front and you're going to say, well, you can do this convoluted thing to sort of get a price quote and see what you're going to owe. It's, it's not rocket science, you know, science to see who, who people are going to go to and what, where it's going to drive consumers. So um, more people need to get on board with it. Uh, it's the right thing for people and for all of us. We're all consumers of healthcare, And I always say, you know, you couldn't imagine this happening in, in any other industry. Like you'd never buy a plane ticket and have Southwest tell you, well, after you arrive at your destination, a few days later, you'll get a bill and that's what you owe or going to a restaurant and being, you know, eating. And then they'll say, okay, we'll send you a bill in a week and that's what you'll pay for dinner. Um, yet that's how we allow it to happen in healthcare. Um, you know, I can shop at Target for a shirt or I can shop at Burberry and they're largely the same white shirt, but I at least know going in what I'm going to pay. There's eight different hospitals near you, probably have vastly different charges, and you know the, the consumer unfortunately doesn't really know that. So, I this is something I'm very passionate about, uh, both as 
a RevCycle leader, but also as a, also as a consumer that, you know, patients have a right to know these things and we really need to embrace that mindset. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And, and certainly would fall into the demographic of people who are looking for all that information and making decisions based on, uh, you know, all of that data that we can find. And it certainly is frustrating that there isn't more of that out there. So thank you for putting uh, that out and certainly, you know, be excited to hopefully see more health systems and organizations doing the same. Now, you know, when you look at uh, your role, we've talked through a little bit of this already, but from the revenue cycle, as well as the IT and, and information management, um, how do you look at growth and adding value to the organization? What does that really mean for you going forward? I think it means, you know, being nimble. And as the organization grows, you know, ads providers, specialties, you know, can we remain nimble enough uh, that we don't necessarily have to have an equal growth on our side? You know, how can we be more efficient, um, whether it's through automation or just uh, centralizing functions? We're a large institution, we're multiple hospitals. We have, like I said, both professional and a facility billing team. Are there ways we can't better combine and align those so that I don't have two people, you know, doing follow-up with Blue Cross, maybe only have one, um, you know, I think that's a big part of our growth. Uh, I think another big opportunity for us is, like I said, becoming more more patient-focused and redesigning bills and things like that to be much more uh, consumer-friendly and, and, and make it easy for people to understand how to access that information instead of talking about, you know, revenue codes and Hicks picks and all that sort of thing, you know, find ways to put those in layman terms if, if you know, if I can go to my, I know nothing about cars, but when I get my car service, they give you that big, you know, it's on legal paper, like two-page printout with colors and everything. I can understand that. And yet we, we continue to just throw jargon at patients and say, just trust us that this number at the bottom of the page is, is what you owe. Um, and, and, you know, again, just growth with technology. I think uh, University Health is a very technology forward organization. Uh, we're HIMSS Stage 7. Uh, we're we're a, a dual Davies Award winner even from HIMSS. I mean, we, we like technology. We like to use it to help drive patient care forward. And so, you know, we like to be on the cutting edge of that. So again, automation comes up again there. But, you know, clinical decision support systems, just whatever we can to help drive our consumers to us and then give them a really good experience, give them good care, get them healthy and get them out the door uh, so they can go back to living their lives. And I think that, you know, as a leader, you, you have to really get in the weeds and know these things. So you can't just run around talking about, you know, AI, machine learning, whatever. You have to learn what that means. What does that technology do? How does it really function? You know, you have to take time to grow your skill set and your understanding. Uh, you can't just let back, you know, sit back and say, oh, yeah, I, I saw a five-minute news clip about that. I think I get what, the, what it is. You know, you really need to learn how some of these technologies work and, and start thinking, okay, how can I apply that to my area? How can I grow my team with that? And that's a lot of what I, I feel like I've been doing the last year or two is just learning and understanding the difference between machine learning, AI, you know, robotic process automation, meeting with companies who do all those and understand what the use cases are between them. So, you know, there's also a lot of personal growth, I think, that goes into this. And, you know, if you want to grow in your career, if you want to, you know, help pull your team along, if you want to help uh, your organization move forward, you, you've got to kind of become an expert in these things. So, um you know, that's a lot of what I'm, I'm really focused on right now. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I love a couple of things that you said there. Obviously, becoming more efficient and effective is, is so, so important. And then, to embracing technology to drive patient care forward. I think that's so important, especially as a safety net hospital and system. You know, I, I think sometimes that can get lost. Um, so it's amazing to hear that 
that's been a top priority for you at University Health KC. For other organizations that are in a similar position, you know, that are within their communities and our safety nets, I mean, how do you put yourself in a um, spot where you can really be that technology forward while also, you know, maybe not having the resources as some of the other larger systems? Yeah, I think number one is this culture. Is what is the culture of your institution? Are you very open to growth and are you open to new ideas or are you a little more set in your ways? And, you know, on the one hand, we have a culture that really embraces this sort of thing. I, I was very proud of the fact that one of the, the first big projects I, I was, uh, was provided to take on was with our patient portal. And we were, I think, one of the first or second Cerner clients ever to be open to join the open notes program and post, you know, basically you're pretty much your entire clinical record in real time to our patient portal for our patients. While a lot of people were nervous to do that and, you know, scared and whatever, we said, it's their information. We want them to help drive their healthcare forward. We're just going to do it. There obviously were some people worried about it, even internally, some providers, things like that. But at the end of the day, it was right for the consumer. And so number one is, you know, do you have a culture that embraces that? And number two is finding partners. I mean, if there's one thing that there's not a shortage of right now is, Health IT companies, right? I mean, they're they're in a not in a bad way. They're a dime a dozen, and whether it's automation, whether it's uh, you know claim scrubbing, whether it's uh, outsource functions, I mean, kind of no matter what it is, there's a lot of them out there. And so you can find you need to find the partner who's right for you, who understands your mission, um, you know, potentially willing to go at risk or do you know beta testing things like that to help bring those costs down, um, and and sell yourself. One of the things that I always say to our potential partners that I think is a big deal um, is, you know, is the fact we are a safety net because sometimes you see webinars with, you know, these great institutions, Geisinger, Emory, whoever, these wonderful institutions that just do amazing work. But a lot of hospitals like my own, you know, look at that and go, well, we don't have their funds. I don't have their resource. We don't have their backstop to be able to do, you know, X, Y, Z that they did their webinar on. It's incredible. And I wish we could, but I can't. The flip side of that is if we implement your tool and we are successful, anyone else in the country can. Because if, you know, if, a, if a safety net is able to, to purchase it, to implement it, to realize those efficiencies, those gains, whether it's clinically, whether it's financial, you know, doesn't matter, that is something that almost any other hospital can replicate. And so that's the value. So part of it's also understanding your value and what you, you can provide to that, 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 uh, that vendor. But um, you, like I said before, you got to get out and meet them. You got to understand this stuff, and you got to get in front of them and say, you know, I want to understand these use cases, and I want to understand the underlying technology, and and find a way to work together. But you know, they say, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch, and so if you don't have a good culture that embraces innovation, that embraces taking risks, that embraces trying out new technology, for you know, every other hospital in the country's done it, it's it's a big challenge. So I'm very I'm very thankful then to work at a place that that has that kind of culture. Absolutely. I love that. And, and, you know, what a great way to frame it and think through things because you're right. I mean, you know, if you're able to do it with few resources, um, it, it certainly is something that any organization and in, in health system across the country could see themselves doing and, and being part of. So I, I, I think that's such a smart way to present it and really um, great, you know, I guess basis for a partnership with different vendors and companies. So that's awesome to hear. Um, from your perspective, what do you see as being an investment or a risk worth taking this year? I know healthcare resources are scarce for many reasons, and, and especially too for a safety net hospitals. So where do you see um, really being important to just keep investing? I think one of the interesting ones that I think stands out to me is the uh, automated coding market. And, you know, medical coding is something that's obviously very important. It's 
one, how we get paid. It's how we pull a lot of our strategic data. It's the information that gets sent to, you know, LeapFrog, CMS, and others that track your quality. Um, it's a very in-demand job. Um, it's a it's a job that seemingly always there's shortages of, and people are having to use staffing companies or offshore labor or whatever. You know, it's a very in-demand job. And there's now a growing number of companies that are automating some of that work and allowing coders to go from having to sit there and read every note and put in all the codes to become more auditors, kind of a more of a high skill. Um, it's still new technology. Um, you know, these are new players. They're growing their, their market share and their base. But I, I've always say I, I think there's I have zero doubt that this will be the primary where, way that people code, maybe even as early by the end of this decade within seven years. And, you know, there's some risk to that, obviously. You're, you're trusting a machine, for lack of a better word, to code your accounts and send it to a payer and not have denials and, you know, code properly and get paid right. But if you pick the right partner, if you put the right framework around it, you have the right audits and things in place there, this could really revolutionize things. Because instead of saying, well, I have one coder who can code, you know, 120 charts a day in an eight and a half hour day, I now have some software that can code, you know, 100 charts in a minute. And what will that do to your rev cycle? And what does that do to how you know, faster can you get a clean claim out the door and get your payments in and ensure stability amongst your coding team? And so um, we're really looking at that. We've done kind of an RFP and we've done a lot of testing with some of these companies. Haven't chosen one yet, but it's a risk. We know that we, you know, when we decide to pull the trigger on that, we're, we're putting a lot on the line, you know, hoping we, like I said, you, you want your bills to go out right and not have denials and not get in trouble and, and make sure we can make payroll every other week. Um, but if, if you can get in there early, you can get those efficiencies before everyone else, and you can, you can kind of set the path. So that's what we're, we're really looking at, you know, looking to invest in that sort of really cutting-edge stuff. Um, it's not without the risk, but it also has very high reward. Absolutely. That's fascinating. It definitely seems like something that could really uh, be a benefit if the technology is right and it works the way it's supposed to. So it's just great to hear about it and, and certainly falls in line with everything else we've been talking about in terms of you know digital transformation and getting the organization to a place where it's really being able to utilize uh, the team members to the best of their abilities. Now, for yourself, where do you see some of the best opportunities for growth and development in the future? I know you talked a little bit about um, some of the skill sets always be learning and, and kind of consuming all the information you can about AI, chat, GTP, and other um, areas. So, you know, what do you see as being big for you in, in growth and development going forward? Yeah, so obviously technology and always think ahead of that. But I also think there's personal skill sets that, um, I say this sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, the business office was always this back room thing for many hospitals now it's not even on the same campus or they work remote but you know even before covid they were they were off campus at some other you know business office you know room they weren't even at the hospital kind of out of sight out of mind they're the people who you know have to fight with the payers and send out all these statements and get these complaints from patients that they think they got charged too much and i think that you know consumer driven healthcare is going to say you know you, you kind of have to get out of the back room and you know People want to talk to a live person. They want to understand. They want someone to explain their bill or their claim better, or how their insurance works. Um, you know, you you kind of have to. I think people maybe went into this a little bit to say, I want to be out of the limelight, or I, you know, I don't want to have to talk to too many people. And I just don't think that's going to be the future. And and you know, building up those interpersonal skills, and you know, knowing how to give a great experience to somebody who may have a very large bill. Um, and how you can work with them to, on payment plans and talk them through, you know, the different parts of that bill and, and why things are the way they are is going to be really key. I mean, 
you kind of hit on it before that I think for too long we've always looked at, you know, your experience at the hospital was from like check-in to check-out. But really it's more than that. I mean, it's, you know, if, if you have a great experience with your nurses and your doctors and your techs, but then the billing office is, you know, a bad experience, you're, you're going to rate the hospital poorly. If your clinic experience is good, but then you go to release some information and they, I don't know, they won't give you your records or they give you the runaround, you know, you're going to give the hospital a bad review. And so every part has to be focused on giving a, a premier experience. And I feel like in some ways the revenue cycle has sort of been, I won't say forgotten, but sort of moved to the side in those discussions previously, because you wanted to have that, that great face and smile when people came through the door. But, you know, it's part of the process. And so I think it's, you know, rough cycle leaders need to sort of get out of the cubes and get out and meet people and talk to patients. And, you know, we want my team to to, you know, I, I want the clinics that they bill for and code for and all that. I want them to have a relationship with them. Know that we're not just some, you know, shadow group sitting in an office building somewhere in the city doing all this work, but we're part of a team. And uh, I think that's really where there's great opportunity for, for leaders who want to really succeed and want to build up their team is to say, we want to get out there. We're part of the patient care team. We're part of this, this ecosystem. And, you know, we want to give a good experience for our side. And whether that's technology, whether that's, you know, training people up on their customer service experience, whatever the case might be, um, that's a huge opportunity for people. Because it's, to this point, definitely a forgotten aspect of consumer-driven healthcare. That's such a great point. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and we're excited to have you as well in October at our Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event. I, I know, you know there'll be so much of these themes and topics really top of mind in, in driving conversations um, around innovation too uh, at the event. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think you'll be bringing a great perspective to the panel. Can't wait. It's going to be a great show. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.